You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there. Good morning. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Ready to roll on this, uh, what, Thursday edition, right? You know the deal. We hit it all. 60 minutes. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. The uh, daily poll question is up for today. We will get to that in a little bit. One where, you know, pretty much if you're any kind of sports fan, you can and probably do have an opinion on it. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But a lot of stuff today, and actually yesterday was a very big day for news. So, of course, we begin the show at the beginning with the headlines. And the biggest headline of the day, although I guess uh, ESPN.com does not agree because I did not see it on their front page, there will be baseball in 2020. How do I know that? Well, because Rob Manfred told me so. Well, he didn't tell me. He told Carl Ravitch last night on ESPN leading up to the draft, quote, we are going to play baseball in 2020 100% which with Rob Manfred saying 100% actually kind of makes me feel less confident that they'll play baseball in 2020 100%. He also added that the league plans on making a new proposal after receiving the players' proposal, adding it will be a significant move in the players' direction. have to wait to see if the players say that as well. But, quote, if we have to, we'll exercise that right That would, of course, mean for the 48-game season. And I'm sure whatever the proposal is from the owners to the players, they haven't seen it yet, but I'm pretty sure they already hate it. But you haven't even heard what it... No, we hate it already. Uh, And, you know, it's funny. Over the last few days, I've seen a lot of people reacting to the uh, quagmire that baseball is currently in, right? You hate the fact that there's no baseball. You hate the back and forth. It looks terrible. It sounds terrible. Both sides should be embarrassed. I think more so the owners than the players. But at the end of the day, the the analogy that I've come up with, it's the two dopes in the rowboat, and the falls are just up ahead, and the two sides, where everyone else has been able to figure out how to get this done, you have the two sides in baseball arguing, should we paddle to the left? Should we paddle to the right? And meanwhile, they're just heading straight ahead right for the falls. But I've seen the idea floated a lot lately that Rob Manfred should be fired for the way things have gone. If there is no baseball, even if there is baseball, with the the back and forth, the ugliness that uh, we've already seen on the two sides and, and all the issues that they're going to have, not just getting baseball on the field for this year, but of course with the CBA set to expire soon, all the ugliness that there is going to be. I've heard he's the worst commissioner ever. He's ruined the game. He's failed the players. He's failed the game. He's destroyed the sport. And all of that might very well be true. I'm not arguing any part of that. What I am saying is that if you're of this belief that he deserves to be fired, or if there is no baseball, he deserves to be fired. The problem with that is he is doing exactly what his boss or bosses want him to do and that would be the owners and while his plan and plans 
might be terrible, horrible, no good, very bad plans. He is carrying it out and carrying it out to the letter. We have known that baseball, the league, has the ability to force the season, right? Due to that agreement in March, we've known that for a couple of weeks. And it certainly seems like that the owners are negotiating with that in mind, right? Like the, each proposal that they float out there, it seems pretty clear that the fact that the players are not going to get a 100% of their prorated salaries is pretty much a non-starter. But yet they keep floating these things out there. The days keep passing. And we've known for a while that Rob Manfred can essentially force the players to play as long as they get their prorated portions of their salaries. The only question is, will baseball get a deal done for anything more than the, the 48 or the 50 games or whatever it is? Can you get 70 games? Can you get 72 games? Can you get something closer to 70 than 50? And here's the thing, you know, look, I'm a big baseball fan. I know sometimes it doesn't really resonate with people, and especially the ugliness that we've gotten uh, during this negotiation. But the thing is, you can't have sports life be back to normal in the summer without baseball. It's great that the NBA is going to return. It certainly seems like they're on the road to do so. The NHL has had their plans out there. Golf returns uh, today, this weekend. With uh, their tournament, the UFC doing everything that they can. What, whatever you have, the, the horse racing, the MLS, whatever you want. But you can't say that the, the, that there's been a return to normal in a sports sense if you don't have baseball in the summertime. And I'm not saying that the owners feel some responsibility to the fans or the game. None of that. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. If the owners thought. Or if more owners thought, because there's probably a few of them that think this. If the owners thought that canceling the season would make them an extra buck or two, they would do it. At the end of the day, it seems like every owner, maybe there's an exception here or there, that feels like winning is the most important thing. It's pretty clear at this point, they're all in agreement that it's a business. It's not a sport. It's a business for them. It makes money for them, and that is what they think of as listing on the important scale. Money is one, money is two, and money is three. Now, thankfully, they don't think that, that canceling the season would make them an extra buck or two. But as soon as they do, if they ever do, if their business forecasts ever show that canceling the season is better for them and will make them more money in the long term because they'll be able to force whatever system they want, salary cap, salary floor, whatever you want to say, revenue sharing, they will do it. And let's just hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Here is Rob Manfred from SportsCenter last night on whether or not he will mandate a 50-game season. I'm a big believer 
um, in the process. Um, I would prefer to negotiate a new agreement with, with the MLBPA that gets us more games and resolves um, the issues that have separated us amicably. Uh, but at the end of the day, we negotiated for the right in March to start the season on a number of games um, that, that we select in these particular circumstances. And if we have to, we'll exercise that right. All right, uh, there, so there's the cut there, uh, Rob Manfred uh, saying that if they have to, they will mandate the 50-game season, which it seems like they're negotiating with that first and foremost in their mind. Uh, every proposal that they have sent to the players has been a non-starter because it is not – if you're making any kind of proposal, you have to do it, given the fact that you negotiated back in March that the players will get 100% of their salaries, the prorated salaries. You have to start there, and anything that that does not include that – is not going to be even considered. And the players have held strong on that, and, and good for them from a negotiation standpoint. It's ugly, doesn't look good, doesn't make the sport look good, doesn't make the players look good. I'm sure they realize that. But at the end of the day, players are not really worried about winning the PR battle. they got to, first and foremost, worry about winning the financial battle. So that's the baseball story. Rob Bamford saying that there will definitely be baseball in 2020. But the second big headline is apparently not everything – is all that perfect even at the happiest place on earth? NBA news from Adrian Wojnarowski. There's a faction of players discussing as a group whether restarting the season in the uh, bubble of Orlando is even a good idea. There were 40 to 50 players on a conference call in the last day, according to Woj, discussing a number of concerns, but what basically life would be like under the bubble. Quote, as players have started to come to terms with the restrictive and isolated nature of the Orlando bubble, including no visitors until after the first round of the playoffs, which if you know the NBA playoffs, they take forever. Nearly seven weeks after the opening of mid-July training camp, there has been, in, I would have thought the first round of the playoffs, sometimes they feel like they take seven weeks. Uh, there has been increased dialogue about the prudence of restarting the season for a number of players, especially on those non-championship contenders. So here's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from SportsCenter saying, isolation, that is going to be an issue for the players, and it's starting to, that realization is starting to hit home. Here's Woj. I think it's really started to hit it home with a lot of players and coaches and members of organizations of how isolating, how restrictive this bubble environment is going to be. And there are a number of players, I was told a few dozen, who have been talking. They had at least one conference call to kind of hash out some thoughts among each other. And listen, for a lot of players, there are family concerns. There are certainly concerns about COVID. Uh, there are concerns about a number of issues built around having to go inside that bubble, you know, many of them for five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, two and a half, three months. You hear it more and more among the teams who know or certainly believe they're not really going there to compete to win a championship. Yeah, that is kind of difficult. And you know what else is difficult? And you don't really think about it originally. But if you put your, your yourself in the shoes of Adam Silver, can you imagine trying to get, like they said on that conference call, there was 40 to 50 players on. Can you imagine trying to get 40 people, anybody, to agree on anything 
never mind how it comes to handling the coronavirus and, and like living in quarantine, like even as it seems like the, the virus is starting to dissipate some and, and life is starting to return to normal. Do you know 40 to 50 people in your own life who are handling things the exact same way? I'm guessing you probably don't. Now, imagine trying to get those 40 to 50 people to agree on how they're going to live for months on end. Lockdowns, isolation, quarantine, testing. Like, I just know in my own little circle, and it's not even 40 to 50 people, I got people who basically aren't leaving the house, and then I got other people who are basically throwing pool parties every single week, right? Like, imagine trying to get all those people to trust in you and agree on what you believe is the best for them. So the fact that there's already 40 to 50 guys who are saying to themselves, you know, lockdowns, isolation, testing policies, quarantine, not being able to, you know, leave the bubble and then come back, not being able to see your families. You know, we've all kind of praised the NBA because of how they've handled things. And it certainly seems like they're the best positioned to return especially considering they seem like that they were in the worst position when the the virus hit and everything that they'd have to do to be able to overcome. But it shows you, even with a good relationship between the players and the owners, even with a commissioner who uh, has the respect of the players, this is still going to be very, very difficult to uh, pull off. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So the poll question for today, it's up, it's running, it's on Twitter, it's at Gordon Damon. I, I got to believe that I'm being shadow banned by Twitter. I, I it, It's amazing. Every single day, we're not getting nearly the followers that we need. But um, that's a, a topic for another day. I believe I'm being shadow banned. It's the only reasonable explanation I could have for not having 5,000 followers. But our poll question for today, it's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damon. If you can find it under the shadow ban. You just have to type in my name, at Gordon Damer. That that prevents the shadow ban, apparently. Uh, which commissioner do you personally like the least? We put the four big ones up there. Rob Manfred, who if I play some more of those cuts, and if I, place, if I could ever play some video of him uh, at the MLB draft last night, I think that uh, he might uh, even have a higher total. And certainly you would have to think, given where we are right now on June 11th, all the factors of when we're holding this poll might very well, if it had been football season, maybe Roger Goodell might be a little bit more of a contender or Gary Bettman or Adam Silver. But the four big ones are up there. Rob Manfred, who is certainly, you'd have to think, going in the favorite. Roger Goodell, always a, a, a live contender. Always a live contender. Then you have Gary Bettman, who the hockey fans all apparently despise. <laughs> uh, even after all these years. But I don't know if there's enough hockey fans to make it a, cont a real contest. And then you have Adam Silver, who would probably be, I mean, talk about long shots. That's that's a long shot right now. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. Uh, coming up, I'll give you my vote on the poll question. Secondly, last night was the Major League Baseball draft. Now, I don't know if you've watched. I, I, I can't imagine that it did all that well <laughs> ratings-wise. And judging the draft only on what you know, right, never seems to to be a good idea, right? The NFL draft, the NBA draft, maybe the NBA draft is a little bit more uh, league-ready. But last night was the baseball draft. 
And we will judge the draft based only on the prospects' names. Because I don't really know anything about them other than their names. I don't watch college baseball. I don't watch high school baseball. But just because I don't know anything about these guys doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. After all, this is Sports Talk Radio. So we'll give you the uh, thoughts, the Gordon Damer Show rundown of the 2020 Major League Baseball draft based solely on their names. And we'll take your phone calls as well. Our poll question, which is up for today, it is on uh, the old Twitter machine, at Gordon Damer. Maybe people don't know how to spell Gordon. It's G-O-R-D-O-N. I'm just trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure it out. Which sports commissioner do you like the least? Is it Rob Manfred? Rob Manfred certainly center square last night on the old baseball draft. And it's amazing. Rob Manfred is the only person that looked more uncomfortable than Roger Goodell did in his man cave. Remember the NFL draft, how Roger Goodell, he just looked so robotic, even in his man cave, even in a place, if there's any place on earth that you're supposed to feel comfortable and relaxed, it's your man cave. But Roger Goodell even seems robotic even there. Come on, fans. Let me hear you. Me, 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 me. But Rob Manfred uh, gave him a run for his money, and I'm assuming in the poll question today, Rob Manfred will probably get a good uh, a good dose uh, of competition from Roger Goodell. But we put the four big ones up there for you: Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, and Adam Silver. And we put Adam Silver in there just because he's one of the four commissioners. I can't imagine that Adam Silver is uh, going to um, to get many votes. Um, look, as I pointed out before. I am a contrarian. I, I like to look at the other side of things. So if I had a vote, I don't have a vote. But if I had a vote, I'd probably throw it on Adam Silver. You know what? Uh, I feel like he gets so much love. He's in the best position because the relationship between the players and owners in the NBA is as good as you can have. I don't know what the relationship between the, the hockey players and owners are uh, because it's hockey and I, I, I don't, I'm not all that interested. But it seems like the, the, the fans of hockey despise Bettman. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost irrational at this point. You would figure that it's some, like as soon as he got the job, people despised him. And I think it had something to do with the fact he wasn't a hockey, you know, he didn't come up in hockey, he came from the NBA. So there was that immediate uh, suspicion of him for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. But if I had a vote, I think I might throw it on Adam Silver. You know what? And let him deal with a little bit of, you know, Rob Manfred's out here taking the bullets. Roger Goodell's out here taking the bullets. And they do plenty of things that uh, you could uh, dislike them about. But you know what? As a contrarian, sometimes being a contrarian does mean you're a jerk. And uh, just to be a little jerky, I think I might throw it on Adam Silver. But I don't expect that that's going to uh, make much of a difference. But at least so far, very early on, and the poll question runs throughout Golik and Wingo, uh, Manfred and Goodell, dead heat. A clash of the titans at 40%. So uh, that's the story there. But as I said, you know, in this time of the pandemic and, and quarantine, we're all kind of looking for sports things to keep our attention. The golf, as I said, their tournament opens today. The NBA's on the road to return. Baseball. Looks like they might actually return. Rob Manfred saying last night, 100%, 100% there'll be baseball in 2020, to which um, I'm sure the uh, the players will argue about 50%. No, it's only 50%. They'll, argue, they'll find something to argue about with that even. But last night was the Major League Baseball draft. And look, as a sports fan, 
I love a good draft. It, really, anything you break down in a draft format, I, I kind of like. I, 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 and, and I love baseball. But for whatever reason, the baseball draft has never got me hooked. And last night, I'll be honest with you, I turned it on. I watched certainly more than I have in the past, mainly because in the past, I've watched zero. Zero percent of the baseball draft. But last night, maybe I watched, I don't know, 10 percent of it. And maybe it's the presentation. It just kind of feels uh, it just kind of feels empty. And obviously it felt empty last night. But even when it's a, the normal draft, I know they've tried to improve it. Uh, I don't know what they have. to. It just doesn't have a big feel to it like other drafts do. And again, I go in as a fan of drafts. I like a good draft. But since I don't know anything about the players, I don't watch high school baseball. I don't watch college baseball. And as I said, rating drafts is always dumb right after the draft. But look, dumb has never stopped us before. So for the first time, let's rank the players of the first round of the 2020 MLB draft based solely on what I know about them, which is solely their names. And whether or not I can hear their name, if I say their name, can I imagine a guy with that name playing in the major league. So Brian, if you have a little bit of game show music for me. All right. Here we I don't know necessarily this is draft music, it's much more game show music, but all right, the first pick in the draft last night, the Detroit Tigers. God, they could use something to go right. And the funny thing is if there's only if there is no season that really will probably only uh, hurt the Tigers for about 5 or 6 wins. But the first pick last night was Spencer Torkelson. Nope. I know that they say he's got huge power. He's the number one prospect based solely on his name. Spencer Torkelson. Can you imagine? uh, You know what? I'm not going to go get a hot dog right now. Spencer Torkelson is coming. It just doesn't sound like a sports name to me. So, no, I would say no. That's a bust. Bust of a pick. Second pick in the draft, the Orioles. Well, the Orioles. Heston Kerstad. Heston Kerstad. Well, you know, it's not bad. I like Heston. That sounds like a sports name, even though it's not a normal uh, name, Heston. Uh, but there's a silent J in Kerstad. Hmm. Feels like a miss. Feels like a, a swing and a miss there. So I'm going to say also the fact it's the Orioles, right? I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to prejudge it based on the fact the Orioles are making the pick. Heston Kerstad, I said, feels like a miss. Third pick in the draft, Marlins. Pitcher, Max Meyer. Max Meyer. That doesn't sound bad. It sounds like a, a reliever, though. Max Meyer coming in and out of the bullpen. It doesn't feel like a like a starting pitcher. And maybe it's because of my baseball card collecting past. It feels a little too close to Joey Meyer. Did anybody else remember Joey Meyer? He's a Brewers slugger, like I say, eighty-seven, eighty-eight. He had one of those cards, Future Star. He sucked. He couldn't. He couldn't put the bat on the ball at all. He struck out basically every single time. And I feel like because I feel like the world revolves around me, that the fact that I collected so many Joey Meyer rookie cards kind of sank him in the universal sense. So I will say Max Meyer doesn't feel as bad as the first two picks, but doesn't it doesn't feel like in five years we're going to be talking about Max Meyer. Maybe he's going to be one of those guys that was a first-round pick, but I don't know. doesn't feel great. Still no great picks here. Three picks in. 
fourth pick, Royals select pitcher Asa Lacy. Asa Lacy. Mm. Again, I don't, I don't feel like that's a home run. Asa Lacy feels a little bit too much like Eddie Lacy, the Packers running back who uh, sunk many a fa- fa- fantasy football season. So I'm going to say also a, a big swing and a miss by the Royals. Too bad for them. All right, uh, pick number five. We're already at pick number five. Toronto Blue Jays. Austin Martin. Wow, there you go. Austin Martin. That sounds like a player. He's a shortstop from Vanderbilt. Even me, even dumb old me knows that Vanderbilt's really good. He's a shortstop, so you figure, you know, if he can play shortstop at the college level, he'll be able to if he can't field the position. And I don't know anything outside of the fact his name is Austin Martin. That feels like a player. That feels like a home run. Now, I would, I'm not gonna lie. I feel better with Austin Martinez. Maybe he should na- change his name to Austin Martinez. Lots of great Martinez's. But Austin Martin just sounds like a player. So, uh, my, uh, analysis <laughs> is great pick. Excellent pick. Alright, now we're not gonna run down the entire first round, but some other picks that stand out. The Rockies at number nine took Zach Venn. Zach Venn. He spells Zach Z-A-C. Nope. Not sorry. You can take a K. You can take an H. Z-A-C. No good. Sorry. And I'm not even going to hit on the Veen part. Zach Veen. I don't know know if he's a position player, pitcher. I'm going to say no. Bad pick. Uh, 16, the Cubs. They selected Ed Howard. Look, you don't have to know anything about sports at all. Ed Howard sounds like a player. He could be an NBA power forward. He could be a wide receiver. I don't know what his uh, size or weight or anything like that is. I don't know if he's a strong player, if he's a pitcher. I don't know anything about him outside of Ed Howard. Ed Howard sounds like even a name that, like, MLB The Show, if you're playing, like, franchise mode and you're, like, seven years in, that they will just, the computer will generate a name like Ed Howard, and he'll be awesome. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be saving money. (laughs) Sign him as a free agent in year nine of MLB The Show. Ed Howard sounds like a player. And if it doesn't work out in baseball, I feel like he he's a guy that could uh, transfer to other sports. Based only on his name. All right, so the locals, uh, the Mets, took Pete Crow Armstrong. Pete Crow Armstrong. That seems like an uphill battle. I don't know. Is there Has there ever been a great baseball player with three names and i don't mean like nicknames i don't think crow he shouldn't change his name to pete the crow armstrong i'd feel the pete the crow armstrong you'd feel strong about right pete the crow armstrong but it's pete crow armstrong maybe he could go nickname pca i don't know i feel like it feels like an uphill battle like this is not oil cam boyd this is not blue moon odom Three Finger Brown. I think that he should immediately change his name to Pete the Crow Armstrong. I would feel much, uh, the analytics department (laughs) would feel much better about the selection if they took Pete the Crow Armstrong. And then I guess finally we'd have to go with uh, the Yankees pick. A lot of Austins. Apparently there was a baby boom in like, uh, what, what, what year were these kids draft? What year were these kids born? I guess they would be born in 2002. Right? 18, 19 year olds, 2001, somewhere around there. Austin Wells, the Yankees select. That, I don't know, look, I, I get that I'm a Yankee fan, 
so I'm going to be a little biased here. But Austin Wells feels like a player. Like, if I told you that the Knicks drafted a point guard by the name of Austin Wells and you knew nothing about him outside of his name, that feels like a player, Austin Wells, doesn't it? So I would say Yankees thumbs up, Mets thumbs down. But look, it's very scientific. It's very thoroughly researched. Our first ever 2020, I guess it's going to be the last time too, 2020 MLB draft analysis. I would say the best pick of the first round, well, I think, I'd say the Blue Jays, Austin Martin. That sounds like a player. But not far behind the Cubs, Ed Howard. Ed Howard. If I told you Ed Howard was going to be a player, you, you, you could see that. And then I would say the third best pick, Austin Wells. Uh, worst pick of the first round, Asa Lacey feels like a miss. That feels like a miss. But again, Pete Crow Armstrong doesn't feel, I don't feel good about it. Uh, but if he changes his name to Pete the Crow Armstrong, I'd feel a lot better. He was terrific. He was the best. And he made a lot of money, too. Salute, Tommy. No more shines, Billy. What? I said no more shines. Maybe you didn't hear about it. You've been away a long time. They didn't go up there and tell you. Uh, I don't shine shoes anymore. Relax, will you? For crying out, what's what's got into you? I'm breaking your b- a little bit. That's all. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. Honey, I'm only kidding with you. We're having a party. I mean, I just came home. I haven't seen you. All right, there you go. That that's the snippet of the uh, scene that Brian was actually able to say. And then, look, I don't feel like that was that short. You did a good job there, Brian. I mean. It's, uh, Appreciate it's a it. difficult to operate with. And look, you had to throw in the little beep there. So uh, he wasn't saying breaking your shoes. So, But today is the day, at least in the movie. I don't know if this if they, they stuck to the real date. But June 11th, 1970, was the day, 50 years ago, that uh, Billy Bats got released from prison and uh, had the, uh, the the party, right, where uh, he's, he's drinking, he had some friends. Jimmy Conway's there, Ray Liotta's there, and of course uh, Joe Pesci's character walks in and uh, things do not go well. <laughs> to say that there was a disagreement over uh, shining shoes would be an understatement, and of course um, we know how that ended for uh, Billy Bats. Not very well, and I guess for Joe Pesci's character it didn't end that well either. So I don't. you might be saying to yourself, Gordon, what's inspiring about a guy, <laughs> a guy getting murdered? Uh, at his uh, coming home part. Nothing, but it's Goodfellas. And as we all know, it's the most rewatchable movie of all time, as we remember back in uh, April. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Poll question up for today, but let's get some phone calls involved, 1-800-919-ESPN, and we'll start things off with our buddy, Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, how you doing, my friend? How are you this morning? One thing. What a great one thing. Uh, Let me just say, one thing is now going to last five minutes long. But go ahead. I'm one sorry, uh, the great draft picks by you, the Colorado pick. What's the odds of him becoming a great player? That exact thing, that, and scientifically done so remarkably. You should do every draft by the name and yes. put the money on it. You know, we will okay. win that draft. You know, that's the best way to do it. I, I'm st- totally with it. It exact look like a name. He's going to be a player. We will remember. We will follow this player uh, down the years, and maybe he become a great player. And then right. the name will say, oh, look, I told you that. I told right? you. <laughs> look, I made five picks. The chances of one of them turning out to be right. Uh, 100%. I agree with uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get one of them right. 
Uh, I don't bet, but uh, if I was the betting guy, I would 100% bet out of these five players. Right. Another right. pick that I, I did not include, but uh, the White Sox took a pitcher by the name of Garrett Crochet. That guy's not going to be good. His name is Crochet. There's no shot. <laughs> okay. Listen, let me let me tell you, ask you a question. Uh, one thing. Charles Oakley or Anthony Mason? Pay, uh, uh, tell me later. You have to pick. And do you remember when Don Nelson was fired? Is it was the reason that Don Nelson was changing the offense through Anthony Mason and Patrick Ewing didn't like it and he was yes. the reason that why yes. it was. So nobody talks about the negatives of Patrick Ewing. Oh, the great, and you talk about Daniel Jones' bad hands. I tell you everybody, Patrick Ewing has bad hands and it continued straight forever. Bad hands because he has small hands and he used to turn it over down the stretch every time in a big moment. Patrick Ewing was a great warrior, but he was an uh, below when he when the the job was on the line, he, he basically stinks in a big time situation. <laughs> well, look, Omar. I mean, uh, clearly, you know, not to kick Patrick Ewing while he's down. Um, uh, he was not able to overcome the great Jordan, and uh, you know his 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 front Hakeem office Malajuan. failed him as well. They did not put, take a look back on those Nick teams. I mean, come on. I mean, th- those were not championship level teams. That was too much to ask Patrick Ewing. And unfortunately for Patrick Ewing, he was the first guy that really, uh, I feel like, was kind of swallowed up by what the expectations were. When the Knicks won the lottery that year, uh, and you knew that they were going to get Patrick Ewing, the sense was not, hey, the Knicks are going to win a championship. The sense was they got the guy from Georgetown. They got the number one guy from Georgetown. They're going to win championship after championship after championship. And the Knicks, as bad as they've been since then, it wasn't like they were knocking it out of the park in terms of uh, of moves even back then. They never put together a championship-level squad, and they gave the Bulls a bit of a run as much as anybody, but uh, it, it was not enough. You know, I don't put the blame on Patrick Ewing primarily for the Knicks not being able to get over the Bulls. All right? I, okay. All right. No problem. And uh, look, as much I love Anthony Mason. He was one of my favorite players uh, of all time, uh, I just loved uh, his uh, his intensity and all that type of stuff. If you're asking me who was the better overall player, I don't think it's really close. I think it was it was Oakley. So there you go. His one thing, and it didn't actually last that long today. Didn't actually last that long today. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go out to uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike up early two days in a row. Oh my goodness. Well, I got the show. show. Thank you. So, so, well, it is. Actually, that's exactly what it is. And uh, anyway, I'll leave it at that. So a couple of quick things here. I was thinking about baseball. I was telling Brian, you know, old Brian at 29, that they should look up Garrett Morris. You know, baseball been very, very good to me. Well, baseball been very, very bad to guys like you and me. Here's what they should do, because this is a bunch of crap what they're doing. Just play the first one to lose 10, drops out, and the team on top of, of, of the standings gets a bye. Just do something stupid like that, because this is, this is ridiculous. And I well, did call that. Yeah, if it gets to 48 games, I mean, uh, look, I, I'm on board based on what, if it's 12 games, I'll be on board. But 48 <laughs> is really tough to accept. But if it can get up to 70... Uh, I don't think that that's the worst thing in the world. But they're not going to give them 70 unless they give them full distribution of, of pay and, and, you know, guaranteed. Right. Well, yeah, you're going to have to give them, you know, the 100% of the prorated salaries, and maybe that means that the pl- the owners will lose, obviously, more money than if they played only 48, but if they get the expanded playoffs like they like, 
and get the players to be on board. You, you, you can't. You can't expect the players are going to get something just rammed down their throat and that they're going to be on board, uh, you know, in, in 100% during what is still a very dangerous time for people and a very scary time. For and so. I brought that up on the calls I made yesterday, and I, I hated to be right. I hate to look at the news because I got up, you know, just so I could call you, and I'm saying that COVID was spreading in, in Arizona and Florida, great places to go. They wanted to play baseball in both those states. You know, as it turns out, um, uh, I just want to see some sports, but I think the most important thing is that social justice this and the COVID. You got, you know, I looked at the point at the beginning of this, I didn't give a crap if I saw another game in my life. I just didn't want to die. You know, people at the right. beginning, even guys like you, you don't even know. But now it seems that we know what we're doing. But do we really know what we're doing? Because as big supportive as I am of social protests, I'm all for it. I'll do anything to fix that before my time's up. But uh, you can't forget the COVID. <laughs> Yeah, 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 unfortunately, you're right. You, I mean, you're dealing with something that uh, doesn't really care about uh, whatever your views are on this or that, and, yep. and certainly the numbers are, are going to go up as a result of that. Uh, you know, I, I, if it turns out that the numbers go up slightly, uh, I'm sure people aren't going to uh, be all that up in arms. But if the numbers all of a sudden really start to to balloon. That's something else that we're going to have to deal with. And, and Spike, you know, it seems, you said about, you know, it seems like we know what we're doing. No, I, <laughs> I wouldn't I, go, I would not go that far, my friend, because I see things but, every single day that, you know, it's a sports show, so we're not going to hit on all of them. Uh, I see things every single day that I scratch my head and say, what is going on in the world? Before my wife retired last night and she said to me, is it that important? She loves sports. So certainly, is it that important? Don't we fix one thing and go on to the other? Not in today's world. This is a get it fixed and we're going to have to pay to see sports and get the economy back with lives. That's just what it is. No one wants to say it. You know? Yeah. No, look, and look, it's not going to be a perfect situation. Spike, thanks for the call. You know, I mean, it's not going to be the type of thing where you're just going to stay on hold. You know, you're just going to wait until there's a cure or a vaccine or whatnot. At some point, you're going to have to dip your toe in the water. And for, for all these sports, you know. They're 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 ready to do that, and and look, the 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 feelings could obviously change very quickly, right? If all of a sudden the numbers in Florida start to balloon out of control, uh, then things are the, the perception is going to change. So I know that Rob Manford is speaking from a baseball point of view, and not really necessarily from the pandemic point of view when he says a hundred percent. We're going to play this year. I don't think you can say 100% with the things that have happened in 2020 so far, and we're only halfway through. I don't know that you can say 100% certainty about anything anymore. Our daily poll question is up for today, and it has been a real uh, a real battle so far. And you can vote on the poll question, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. And it is simply, everyone can have an opinion on this one. And sometimes those are the ones that do the best numbers. It's not about necessarily the zeitgeist of that day. And uh, perusing the back pages of the papers today, didn't feel like there was any pressing issue that we would use for a poll question per se. But with the baseball draft taking place last night, with the NFL being front and center lately, with the NHL and NBA getting closer to returning, we went with which sports commissioner do you like the least? I think we have used this one before, and I'm pretty sure that time Roger Goodell won. And unfortunately for Rob Manfred, he's much more in the uh, in the spotlight right now because of all the problems that Major League Baseball is having. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter at Gordon Damer. But in case you're just getting up, just getting running on a, a Thursday, 
there will be baseball in 2020, according to Rob Manfred. He told uh, Carl Ravitch last night, leading up to the baseball draft, quote, we're going to play baseball in 2020 100%. He added that the league plans on making a new proposal, I'm assuming today, after they got the players' proposal and immediately threw it in the trash. Just a great negotiating session. Anytime you can take a, a proposal and throw it directly in the fire, that's always a sign that things are moving in the right direction. But, of course, the thing that the owners and the uh, that, that Rob Manford have going in their favor is that they can negotiate with the knowledge in their back pocket of that March agreement. It allows the owners to basically force the season, force the players to show up for a 48-game season as long as the players are going to get paid their uh, prorated salaries. And, you know, we've kind of been talking about uh, the commissioners today, and, and Rob Manfred has been a hot topic of conversation because he's the face of the owner's part of the negotiations. And, look, there's been plenty of criticism on both sides. But to me, if you're the owners and you are MLB, that who that's who owns the game, you have a greater responsibility to the game. And Rob Manfred has certainly been out and about and, and certainly gotten his uh, his fair share of criticism for the way things have gone. And there has been lots of cries of, and not from anyone necessarily in the media, but from fans that if there is no baseball, or even if there is baseball, that Rob Manfred has got to go. He's the worst commissioner ever. He's ruined the game. He's ruined the minor leagues. He's failed the players. He's failed the game. He's not grown the game. And, and baseball has has completely screwed up their opportunity to have the stage all to themselves, that all might be true. But what you have to keep in mind is he is doing exactly what his boss, his boss is, the owners, want him to do. And while his plan might be terrible, it might be horrible for the sport, he is carrying it out to the letter. There's a reason why Rob Manfred has became became the commissioner. The owners have complete faith in, in him being able to negotiate these type of deals. That's what he has done. That's where he came from. And we have known that baseball has the ability to force this season because of that agreement in March. And now it's just a question of, if you're, if you're telling me there's definitely going to be a season, well then, is it going to be a season that includes anything more than the bare minimum? It, it certainly feels like that the owners are more than willing to do just the bare minimum. Just have 48 games, have the playoffs, have a season, be able to crown a champion, get back on the field and say, you know what, we were able to, 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 to get it done and just do the bare minimum. Don't give the, the players an inch. Don't give the players a, a, even a, a scrap more than you are forced to legally. So now the question is, are you going to get anything more than the 48 or 50 games? Can it be 60 games? Can it be 70 games? And at the end of the day, I know baseball gets tons of criticism, and rightfully so, for the way they've handled things. You can't have sports back to normal. You can't think that sports are back to normal or that life is starting to get back to normal, at least in a sports sense, if you don't have baseball during the summertime. You just can't. And it's great that all these other leagues, and it makes baseball look all the worse for not being able to get back up and running if they are. But the good news is that it does not seem like there are enough owners, if there are any owners, that feel like that their business would be would benefit from canceling the season. Because if there ever is a time, and maybe it's when the next CBA, the negotiations for that come up, 
if there's ever a time, what this has showed you, and look, you probably knew this already, but if there was ever a time that the owners thought that canceling the season would help them financially, earn them an extra buck or two down the road, it's pretty clear that they would do it. That at the end of the day, this is just a talk about the, the, the healing powers of baseball and the love of the game, which the players get hammered over their heads all the time. There's no love of the game on either side. There's certainly not one on the, the owner's side. And, and thankfully, I guess, if you're a baseball fan and you want a season, no matter what form that season takes, thankfully, you will get a season because thankfully, there's not enough owners, if there are any, that don't think. Uh, or do think that they're that canceling the season would actually uh, help them financially in some way. As soon as they do, though, if there's ever a time where they feel like, you know what, now's the time that we're going to have to force a salary cap, or now's the time where we're going to have to force revenue sharing, that they, that's what they'll do. They don't care how it actually impacts the fans or the, the, the sport or the player. It's about the bottom line. And if there's ever a time where they feel that way, luckily it doesn't seem like now's the time. But when there is, that's what they'll do. That's what they'll do. Uh, the other big story that we're talking about this morning is about the, uh, the, the prospects now of some players, some NBA players starting to, it's starting to dawn on them what living in the Orlando bubble will actually be like. And yesterday, our Adrian Wojnarowski reported there were 40 to 50 players on a conference call in the last 24 hours discussing the concerns about, you know, living in lockdown, living in isolation, and, and just what the realities of that will be. And for Adam Silver or any of these sports commissioners, just imagine in your own life trying to get 40 people to agree on how to handle safety concerns during the coronavirus and getting them all to agree to allow you to put the rules in place and that they will follow the rules. Not easy. And it's a lot more than 40 to 50. And who knows how this goes now that when the the details and the reality of it starts to set in for the players, whether or not that's going to be another obstacle for Adam Silver or any of these sports leagues to try to uh, overcome. All right, it's going to do it for us for today. We're already out of time. But the poll question remains up. It remains running. It's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can follow me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. We'll be back tomorrow starting at 5, where we will have our net picks and chill pick for the week and a big Friday show. But we'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.